0: When you're ready, let's start this game.
1: Welcome to Unstacked and Let's Unwind with Bram Stoker award-winning author Adam Caesar. Let's find out about his writing process, his newest novel, Clown in a Cornfield 2, Friendo Lives, as well as his love of all things horror. Hey, this is Sarah from the Bay County Public Library.
0: Hey, this is Stephen from the Huntsville-Madison County Public Library. Hi, I'm Adam Caesar. I'm the author of Clown in the Cornfield uh, and Clown in the Cornfield 2, *Frendo Lives.
1: And can you introduce our listeners to Clown in a Cornfield 2, *Frendo Lives?
0: If you've read the first book, uh, it is a kind of natural continuation of that story. It is a, um, uh, but the first book is a, a, a very, in a way, very traditional uh, masked slasher, uh, whodunit slasher, um, which is kind of a typically um, cinematic genre. It's not so much in books. Um, so stuff like Scream or I Know What You Did Last Summer, if you like those movies, right Friday the 13th, Halloween, you would enjoy. Clown in the Cornfield, and Clown in the Cornfield 2 take things in a slightly different direction, which would be somewhat of a spoiler to talk about, so I don't want to say that, but know that you're not getting more of the same. Know that um, the characters that you love uh, face very new challenges and uh, very mortal challenges, and there are killers in clown masks, if that's what you enjoyed about the first one. They are back. Uh, and they are doing grievous bodily harm to people. So, so uh,
2: what got your interest into writing?
0: I've always, uh, I, I grew up in a household that was very, um, uh, I, had, I had parents that were very uh, supportive of my interests and also supportive of the arts. And it was very like, um, it was a very multimedia ho- household. It was very, uh, a, a, an emphasis on reading, of course, but a, a, an emphasis on, on film. And my dad would take me to the movies all the time uh, and comic books. I was a big comics reader. So it kind of um, had this omnivorous consumer mentality and like almost- anti-consumer mentality, where it's like, we're not just passively ingesting these things. We are looking at books and art and everything as, as, as let's think about this. Let's have a conversation about this, which is, I feel like a, a very good way for a writer to grow up. Um, and I'm very fortunate that I had parents that encouraged that in me. So I've just always been interested in storytelling. And I went to, um, in high school, i taken a bunch of creative writing electives and things like that. And I always kind of knew I wanted to write, but I didn't know quite how. Uh, so in college I took, I was a film major in college and, um, I, I, I really only needed to take one production class to knew that I wasn't going to be the next, uh, Tarantino. Like I did not want to, it's filmmaking is, is an incredibly collaborative process. It's a, it was a process that I studied my entire life and I'm a huge cinephile, uh, but it's not for me. I'm not, uh, I'm not that much of a team player. <laughs> you have to really, uh, want it, uh, and really want to communicate and compromise and, and be on a team. Uh, to make a good film and to be a good filmmaker, um, I, I'm of course I'm uh, social and can get along with people, but I, I when it comes to writing, I realized uh, I wanted to pursue screenwriting and 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 maybe uh, other kinds of writing, and this is just how it happened. I'm writing screenplays and writing novels at the same time, and was a big reader of the leisure books horror books, um, leave a book club before they kind of imploded and, and knew that I wanted to write a horror novel in that mold. And that became my first book that was published, uh, Video Night. And it's kind of just that that was over 10 years ago now. Every time I every time I do an interview, I have to like check when Video Night came out. But now I know it's I've been doing this for an incredibly long time, uh, or at least it feels like an incredibly long time like over oh, close to half my life. So it's like uh, it's wild. <laughs> That was a long Don't answer. You, that was a long answer for what got you into reading. Perfect. But there you go. <laughs> no, no, it's perfect. Yes.
2: Um, so, kind of branching off on that, what goes into actually crafting like a suspense or horror styles writing, like what you do?
0: Oh, that's um, it's a good question. It's different because there are so many different the things. That, the thing I love about the horror genre is that it is one of the broadest genres. It is. is there is so much. Um, especially on the literary front there are so many different kinds of horror stories there's quiet horror there's very loud horror which is I do loud annoying horror um, uh, so I, like I think there is uh, I like what the horror genre affords me it's really almost more of a feeling than a, a genre and I um, so more specifically with the clown of the cornfield books because I've written all kinds of different horror I've written in very varied subgenres um, but with slasher stories, because like I said, there's a a myriad of wonderful and classic slasher books and and writers that work in the genre and the literary front. But I think to me, it's a uh, predominantly a film genre. So it lets me combine my love of film with uh, with my love of writing, but not always have to be talking about uh, movies. Because a a lot of my early books, a lot of my books that were quote unquote adult uh, horror, which people who like Clown of the Cornfield and teens can still read them. They're not like that adult. Um, but uh, it was all dealing with uh, movies and, and filmmaking, like textually like characters that love movies and characters and made movies. Um, but Clown of the Cornfield, it's completely different because I wanted to have, I didn't want kids to and teens to, to be like turned off by that. They're like, well, I'm not a movie, I, I'm not a movie fan. I don't have a base of knowledge in this. And it, they don't require you to these books. And um, so I really looked at at those movies that I loved and, what works about them. There's a lot of POV. There's a lot of, uh, the, the killers POV is a, is a, is a, is a genre hallmark in slashers. And it's like, well, how do you do that in a, in a book? You don't have a camera. How do you, how do you do that? And a lot of it works on dramatic irony. A lot of it works on I know one piece, one key piece of information that these characters don't know, and it could very well get them killed. And playing with that, like giving the reader a little bit of information, a little tiny bit more, because you don't want the reader to be too head, too far ahead of characters, because then it's then you don't have active characters. But it's like give them a little crumb and be and just then watch the chaos unfold. I like doing that, and I think that's that's kind of a, a trick that these books go back to again and again.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed all the different characters from each chapter, such a different point of view, and then it kind of whirls you around. And speaking of characters, Brendo is the town's clown mascot. Uh, It's also the icon for the bay pin corn syrup factory. So was it always going to be a clown? And why are clowns so terrifying?
0: this is, it was always going to be a cloud. It, we like, it's like, it's one of those weird start from the title books and work backwards. And it's, and you think cloud in the cornfield and a, and a lot of people, I think they, what draws people to the book is they see that they see the cover and they see the, the Stephen King font, which, hey, everyone's stealing the Stephen King font. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm fine that, that Harper did it. I did not, I didn't design the book cover. I didn't know they were going to do it, but now in retrospect, I'm like, cool, he's fine. Take it, um, uh, but like you see the cover and you see that, you see that font. And you see the word clown in the cornfield it almost it almost reads like a joke it almost reads like a bit like people kind of giggle or may and then maybe they're a little intrigued and then what i wanted to happen was you you see that title you giggle you think oh these are two archetypal horror staples clowns and cornfields midwest small town horror clowns it tells you a lot right off the bat and then i wanted to play it completely straight i didn't want it to be a joke i didn't want it to be something that we're parodying, or we're talking down to a genre, or we're talking down to a reader's intelligence. I wanted to be like, nope. What people completely won't expect, because the title enough is surprising. The way that the title's written, somewhat surprising. they get a little chuckle, and then you hit them again with like, hey, you were, probably weren't expecting this to be half as serious as this book is, and that's how that worked. And then clowns, I just think are are fascinating because I think there's so much. A look at look at your local spirit Halloween. They're all going to be start opening up any any day now. They're not only full of Pennywise. They're not only full of the Chiodo brothers, the, the designs for killer clowns from outer space. They're full of like off-brand evil clowns. Like you see more in, in pop culture, you see more evil clowns than you see funny clowns now. Like people, although the funny clown is almost passe. Like the, the, the idea of chlorophobia and people being scared of clowns is is so omnipresent that it's not, that it's not scary. So kind of the idea with Frendo was, this is an innocuous clown. He comes from the turn of the century. He comes from he comes from a marketing perspective. Like this is a clown that was used to sell corn syrup in this town. Like this is something that is outdated. And this is something that uh, if Bay Pen existed today, or if they were starting it today, they would not choose a clown as their mascot. So it works in, with the themes of the book because the themes of the first book are all about this disconnect in generations, the young people of the town and the older people of the town and how they don't see eye to eye and how that causes conflict. So you have this idea that economically they had hitched their wagon to a clown to sell the main thing, the main export of this town and time got away from them. The clowns are scary now. Clowns aren't fun and don't sell products now. So well, another long answer to your question but I like I, n- I haven't really gotten to talk about that before it's funny because people have asked me but I've never really explained it in that way so um yeah
2: how much of the uh like when you start how much of your book survives that editing process to to get to that final I version that we get
0: I start with an outline on these um these are I, I these are dense denser plots than I'm used to working with just because I want I want the surprises to work. There there are twists in both books and I think that more specifically with writing 2 I'd never written a sequel before, but I've studied the slasher sequel and I love the I almost love slasher sequels in some ways more than 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 the first movies in in slasher series because it's there's so many variations on a theme and and different directors and different screenwriters and different decades lend themselves to just inversions of of, of what even the franchise was about. So looking at that and going, well, I need to plan that out. Uh, so I do outline, I outline pretty extensively. And then as I write, there is, uh, especially with like set pieces and and action scenes, a lot of that tends to change because I'll think of a better way to do something plot wise, most of it doesn't change. And then there's that, there's that back and forth with the editorial department. And it's, I'm a pretty easygoing guy. I'm a pretty easy to edit uh, writer. I'm not, um, I'm not super precious. I don't worry about the idea of like killing your darlings kind of thing. I, I, I will fight for a good idea, uh, something that I, I believe in, but I, um, if, uh, my editor or anyone else in the process comes back with a better idea or a better way of doing something, I'm all for it. I want to make a better book. So I'd say like 20% changes just based on that between the first draft and whatever the final draft is, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty set in stone, uh, with two, there was, it was a lot less than that, um, not to get too far in the weeds, but, uh, one was, one was rewritten quite a bit and two, um, kind of lightning in a bottle just kind of came out the way I had such a strong idea going into it because I knew these characters so well and I knew, uh, what I wanted to do. And luckily I, I think Harper agreed and everyone there was like, yeah, this is, this is the way to go with this, which is not, um. I don't think you'd say that for a lot of publishers, you'd come to them with this idea of making the threat a little bit more countrywide um, and making it bigger and making it this big. Well, not a lot of slasher sequels go this big, but it's a book. So we have infinite budget. I'm sure if you made this as a movie, this would be like the only hundred million dollar slasher movie ever made. But um, in terms of cast, in terms of body count, in terms of locations, I was like, screw it. Let's do it. Let's let's go all the way. And that's 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 what we did with two.
1: When examining horror, I always find it interesting to see how the horror component fits in with what's happening in today's society. And I noticed that social media plays a role in both book one and book two in different ways. So, like book one, um, not to reveal too much, but there's a lot of teen content creators and they do a lot of live streaming. And then um, in book two, there's a little bit more of that crowd mentality that happens in social media. So, could you delve into what drew you to examine social media as a component in cloud in the cornfield?
0: Well, um, I <laughs> it scares the hell out of me. Uh, social media, like, because I have to be on, I have to be on it, I have to be very active on it, and I have, uh, I have a little baby daughter now, and I know that um, that, and I was a teacher for a number of years, so I just, I know, I know that kids feel the pressure to be on it, and it's just, it's, it's. I'm 34, so uh, I was of the generation where we like I was almost the last generation where you didn't We grew up with the internet, but the internet that I first got in my house when we were hooked up to the internet is a very different place than it is now. So that, that, that kind of transit am that transitional generation where it's like, these kids all have now grown up with this, something about that idea of anonymity and the idea of doing something wrong and broadcasting it, and then having to worry about those consequences and then be very nervous about those consequences was something that, um, Fascinated me, and then it's it became kind of a theme of the first book that I wanted to extend into the second book. And you say, social media is changing every uh, like there were so, there are social medias that were around when I was writing that I'm writing the second book that weren't around when I was writing the first book. Like TikTok wasn't a thing. So it's the and and the way that our country has been influenced by it is wild in in certain ways. Not to. Not to spoil it or to uh, say anything, but if you've read the first book, you know there is a little bit of like a, a rip from the headline component of it, um, and the second one has that as well. You don't have to be that plugged into current events to like appreciate it. I, I think it works uh, in the world um, just fine uh, on its own. But if it's it's there, if you want to see it and if you want to read into it, but I think you put it beautifully. The idea that in the first book, it's kids are using social media; in the second book, the adults. Uh, you know, they're they're maybe typing with one finger, but they figured out how to they figured out how to uh, how to use social media a little bit more. Um, and I think that's 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 part of the the fun and the extension of that that idea in the first book.
1: And uh, "Friendo Lives" is one of the rare titles where I stayed up till like two in the morning because I needed to know what was happening next. Um, there is a lot of uh, misdirection where I think it's going in one direction and it just like veers off, and I'm like. Well, I need to stay up a little longer to find out what's <laughs> happening here. So, when you're writing, do you plan for the misdirections or redirections or are you a little bit more of a discovery writer in that that aspect?
0: I love planning for that kind of stuff. And I think that's that's part and parcel of like the slasher. Is it's red herrings and it's and it's um it's like, "Oh, this this guy you meet a character and you're like that's got to be a bad guy like there's no way and then you completely you switch it or the other way around this character oh I love them they can't be involved in this like and then you switch it um so I like that kind of thing it just because um to me that reads as it gives it lends more like genre authenticity like this is something that is a genre staple that I wanted to work in there and you just don't do it like I I try not to take whole claws from things I love I like to look at things I love and then be like, well, what's my version of what that would be. Um, and I, in do, in doing these podcasts and interviews, this is the first time I've talked to people who've read the book. So thank you so much. Uh, and, and, and saying you liked it. Cause you Thanks. never know. Like I, I I've read it, I've read it 50 times uh, to me. It's like, I, I know what happens, but um, I'm glad it, I'm glad it worked for you. And I'm sorry for the sleepless nights. But I'm very <laughs> glad you had them.
2: Uh, <laughs> we spoke with grady hendrix when he was uh doing his uh last final girl tour and one of the things he said was he was talking about how he went into that book asking himself what is wrong with him so by that same token i want to ask you what's wrong with you what 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 what, what is what is wrong that, that made you want to write about clowns you know the serial uh, slasher in that in that cornfield kind of thing
0: uh what is wrong with me i i I think we touched on a little bit with the social media. It's like, it's like, I'm, I'm very, um, incredibly like anxious and nervous guy and paranoid guy. And I think, and I think the country is a very paranoid in a very paranoid place right now. And I think teenagers, there's no time in your life that you're not as paranoid as when you're a teenager. Cause you are, you're going to school and it's all eyes on you. And you're thinking that everyone's watching you, but everyone else in the hallways is thinking that everyone's watching them too. So it's this, it's, it's mixing up these different, neuroses and different um, th- things. That, so there's what's wrong with me, like the idea of like being extra self-conscious is that's almost what these books are being about. These, these books are about deadly self-consciousness um, to me. I, maybe they don't read like that to readers, but they're about the idea of different levels of microscopes. We have like our three main characters that survive the first book that are in, that come into the second book, which there's plenty of new characters too, but they all, to me, express different, different facets of being under a, a microscope and, and they and they react to it in different ways so um that's yeah that's that that's it for me
2: do, do you find like kind of catharsis writing horrific stuff
0: oh yeah that's uh it's funny my wife is not in is not a horror person she's not um i think i actually if you're a horror fan and you're and you're and you're entering the dating pool uh, i would suggest finding a significant other That's not into this stuff. I think it's, I think uh, I have a group text where me and my buddies 24 seven are talking about horror movies and horror books, and we kind of really entrench ourselves in it. That's, that's the kind of fandom I think horror is in a certain way. And I, 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 what I appreciate in a partner is the idea that she, she doesn't like this stuff. And I, and I, and I, and it's so when she is supportive in that way and she reads this stuff and she's like what is this what is wrong like what is this is so violent like like and and it's it's hard it's almost to, to non hard fans it's hard to express you don't want to I never want to approach things inhumanely I never want to I never want characters even my villains I, I want you to be able to at least in some respects see where they're coming from and have some level of empathy and sympathy for them even if they're doing the wrong things and thinking the wrong things but there also is that complete other side of my of my brain and my enjoyment of the pure aesthetic enjoyment of a good horror scene and and, and of a good gore scene in a way like I, like so there's some there's it, I don't think they contradict each other I really don't I think people get very moralistic when talking about horror uh, like violence in media um, and I think these books are in certain ways dealing with that pretty directly especially with things like guns and 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 violence in that way and real world violence and what makes real world violence and fictitious violence different and when can we kind of indulge and it's okay to enjoy fictitious violence versus you can completely have a a progressive mindset towards like no of course like violence of any kind is is abominable in the real world and i really do think that i really do believe that um but when i'm sitting and i'm talking about someone's head getting cut off and then they kick their own head while their lifeless body is running like i still like that you know and i can still i it's still like there's something about that it just sounds it sounds awful when you isolate that clip uh when you isolate that clip and be saying but i that, it's that duality of the horror fan. It's that duality of horror fiction and horror cinema is that enjoying that in a safe and humane and thoughtful way is it's still okay to get a thrill out of that and get a thrill out of uh of of scares and, and things that are horrific that you would never want to see in real life but that's the point you get it all out, you, ex, you lance the boil, you exercise the demon when you are reading and writing horror fiction. I, I truly believe that.
2: It's kind of humorous how you're talking about finding somebody who doesn't like horror. And my wife and I, we are both horror fans and I thought I was a horror fan. But I've realized what it is, is I'm a bad horror fan. And she, <laughs> she like, I grew up on the Monster Visions, like the last drive-ins where, you know, you're seeing Maniac or Slime uh, sorty Babes at the Slime Ball Bowl around, where it's just garbage stuff
0: that's just candy that I eat nonstop. Where oh, she's... you're talking my language. <laughs> Charles Band. Ooh, Charles Band and Joe Bob Briggs. You're talking my language. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So I've learned that she's she is very much more of a horror fan in the sense of she likes those big scary things and I'm just like show me the the dumb stuff, and I'm I'm happy. Kind
0: of thing. Well, see that's um, a so, that's a that's a match. That's a match. you you two are complimenting each other in that way, like yeah, uh, because I I really don't I want I don't everyone everyone should love the person they love, but the idea that you two are like you've got like a twenty four and uh, and you've got full moon and they're like coming together, beautiful. yes. That's, uh, I wish you all the all the luck in the world. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, how much would you say people can learn about you from from what you're writing? I mean, a lot of times, art, a lot of authors goes into their
0: work. I've never I've never been asked that question. Jeez, it's funny because you could I bet you could, I bet you could suss out a whole lot, personality wise and things like that. And then there's huge parts huge swaths of my life so you'd never be able to guess at. I think um, looking at my work, uh, and I think that I, I like that. I, I like that part of myself. I like keeping part of myself to myself and presenting quote unquote Adam seether author as like a very almost like that um almost the uh, the Stephen King the, the the Richard Bachman feeling of like there is a different version of myself in my books and I and I, I like that and I get some of my books are more self-aware or more metatextual than others. Um, I don't think clown really is because it's talking about contemporary teens at a time that I'm not a contemporary teenager but it's I think a lot of my high school experiences in there because it, it would have to be um, but I'm trying to be as thoughtful and empathetic as possible to people that aren't me so this is me reaching out to an audience that I really hope enjoys it and I get asked and this is I'm asking myself another a follow-up question but the idea I get asked like are you ever going to go back to like oh like I actually was asked this two weekends ago I was at a convention and a writer asked me like are you ever going to oh, you got to come back to adult fiction. You're going to stop with YA. And he kind of, I don't think he meant it, but it it, it struck me almost in a derogatory sense. Like, and I I really don't think he meant it that way, but I got kind of protective because I was like, I was like, hell no, man. Like, uh, like the, the feedback that I've gotten clown on the first clown in the cornfield and the, and the the interactions that I've had with, with young people, with, uh, with teens is like, I've written a lot of books. And I've, like I said, I've written for 10 years. I've books that some people like some people love and I've but I've never had an, as, as many instances I don't think I've ever had an instance but I have it all the time where I'll hear from teens or I'll hear from their parents that are buying them the second one and the idea that this is their favorite book oh my like you like if you're an adult heart author it is a hell of a lot more like unless you are Stephen King and unless you're uh like it, it's it's a heck of a lot rarer to to be someone's favorite book if you if you're a uh, a YA uh, author and it's It's YA horror. I'm trying to reach out to people who kids that might not be horror fans, or might this might be the first horror book they're ever picking up. The idea that I I can be their introduction to the genre, and I can, and I'm such a fan of the genre, and such a I want to help the genre, and I want to be a good citizen as the genre. Like the idea that this could be their favorite book. Like I like I I'm a touchy feely guy. Like I cry every time like someone like someone tells me that. Yeah, (laughs) I don't even remember what 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 question started that off, but I hope somewhere in that rant uh, I answered. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm,
2: I'm gonna try to get you to cry here then because the reason why you know we, we one one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on here was because you are my son's introduction to the the horror genre you are my son's one of two people that my son will actually read when I say hey I want you to read a book he's like nah unless you can do this and it was Alan Gratz and yourself so I, I, I am right now I am trying to get the most cool dad points
0: I can because I'm talking oh, to my nice. son's favorite author. Awesome. Awesome. What's his name? Now, his name is Sebastian. Sebastian, thank you so much. And you got a badass dad. Watch it's, slime bowl in the sorority sli- in the sli- Watch sorority g- babes in the slime bowl arama when you're old enough with them. Yeah, enjoy that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. That was that was terrific. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's great to hear. Yes.
1: And "Clown in the Cornfield" is a new take on the slasher genre, but it still plays with elements of the '80s and '90s. Um, if you had to pick a favorite slasher, what would it be? And if you could pick an actress to play Quinn Maybrook, who would it be? And it doesn't have to be a current actress; it could be a former Final Girl.
0: Oh man, this is a tough one. Uh, here, here we go. Um, I, I'm going to go incredibly traditional with. My my two favorites. Um, I think I think the kind of foundational the ur er text of the this, the American slasher genre, even though one of these films is Canadian, is uh, Bob Clark's Black Christmas and Halloween. And I think if you watch these two back to back, and then you and then you flash forward ten years and you see where the genre is, it's it's stark and it's so it's so interesting how ideas and 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 motifs that are introduced in those films um, because where where something's not codified as a genre. And you see them all come back and then you see them kind of mutate and it's almost like cinematic telephone, like someone playing a telephone. And it's like, okay, different, 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 different. And these were incredibly commercial movies. These were movies where a lot of uh, producers were looking to make a buck. These are sometimes first time producers. These are sometimes regional productions. These are sometimes, sometimes there's mob money in these movies. These are not like, sometimes these aren't even filmmakers at all. Like, I love the idea of, of like, like, look at how perfect these two things are and then look, how they changed. And, and sometimes they change for the worse and very, very few films have improved upon those films. But I, I love that. I talk about the cinematic continuum all the time of like how time moves on. And you can pinpoint different years and different, different trends and what was going on. Um, so I like that. I like that about the genre. And I like that about those two films specifically and final girl, man, uh, someone, someone had, I'm going to, I'm going to have to do a little IMDb because I, I I'm terrible under pressure. Um, with uh, actor names. Oh, I know, I actually know it's a, is it Jenna? Jenna Ortega. I, I, I didn't want to call her Jenny Ortega. that's probably not correct. Uh, Jenna Ortega, someone had, uh, had 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 floated her as a as a fan casting of Quinn Maybrook and I kind of I kind of latched on that because I was like, that's actually that's terrific casting. Um, I, I think she's she was an She's in a lot of uh, she's in a lot of films, but I, I thought she was particularly good in X, the Thai West film, which is uh, very good slasher yeah that would be my that would be my choice uh, <laughs> Perfect. have her people call my people yeah <laughs> as we all google just to make sure we know who we're talking about I know yeah no I, I didn't want to I, I I uh I, I didn't want to like I said I didn't want to get her name though she's um, she's another uh, I'm like I've, I've seen her in like 10 movies recently oh yeah she's gonna play Wednesday in the next in the new Netflix yes. the Tim Burton thing yeah, that's what um, so i've probably seen
1: pictures of her from
0: yeah, yeah yeah she's in scream 5 too so she's 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 already a kind of a quasi scream queen so i think it makes sense to continue that uh, I think she trajectory was, i think she was
2: also in what was it uh, the babysitter or something that was similar to that oh title. was she
0: i i know there's a sequel yeah. to that she might be in the second one
2: um yeah i think that's what yeah it's the 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 second one
0: yeah i've only seen the i've only seen the first one on that one
2: we are a family-friendly podcast, so I we have a game that we play. But Sarah has asked me to clean it up, so I can't say what the actual title was. But we call it "Mary Ditch Kiss."
0: Oh, okay. I think I, I think I understand what this is.
2: <laughs> so I've got a, I'm going to give you a couple categories, but I've disguised the categories with off-the-wall kind of titles. So you're going to pick from those categories, and inside those category inside that category, there are going to be three things that you will either like, love, or want to get rid of. Okay, Mary Ditch kiss. Okay, yes. So the the categories are big choose to fill. They're great and amazing stalkers. Oh
0: man, am I gonna get to go through all three? Like if I if I choose these, can I? I we can. I want to hear that. The, I yeah. want to hear that. I want to hear all the all of them for this. So let, let's let's start with the first one. Uh.
2: <laughs> okay, so big choose to fill. We are going to be talking about cinematic clowns. Okay, Pennywise, Art the Clown and the poltergeist clown dummy. You got a Mary Ditch King, uh, Kiss one um,
0: of those. I, I, think, I think Kiss, I think my, my my fling, my one and done fling would be with the poltergeist uh, clown doll. Uh, no, no, other way. Uh, it, 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 you wouldn't want to live with Pennywise for too long. It, or maybe he goes <laughs> away after 27 years and then you have to deal with him again. Um, so maybe, yeah, maybe that's the good one. Maybe that's the good ditch one. Um, Mary, the poltergeist clown. Sorry, Kill, art the clown. <laughs> Oh, I'm, I'm, I've got a soft spot for art. I love the iconography of art. I love the I love the way it looks. Uh, yeah, I, I, and I and I and I. It's not even like I dislike that film. There's just something about the aggressiveness of that of the like some of those it, kill it, sequences. it is very brutal. It feels almost unslasher to me. It's weird because it's like, is this movie huh. a slasher? Does this movie fit in the slasher mold? Like, I kind of I I had a debate speaking of that that group text. Like I had a a similar debate about Arctic the Clown. I'm like, what makes Art a slasher, and what's this? so he gets so much screen time, and he's almost the protagonist of those films. I'm like, that's huh. that's different from from the typical slasher. I mean, I, clearly it is a slasher, but it's like it's fringy to me. But sorry, he's 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 hitting the curve next to those two. Okay.
2: And for those who are not familiar with Art, he is from a movie called Terrifier, which, as as we say, is, can be debated. I, I guess a
0: family friendly podcast. Yes, go watch <laughs> Terrifier, kids. um <laughs> Don't do that. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, their great
2: would have been mascots, so we you would have had to choose between the Burger King King, uh, the Jolly Green Giant for Green Giant, and uh, Mr. Peanut.
0: This is a harder one. Uh, Mary, Mary, the Burger King King, because I like the Impossible Whopper. I am not a vegetarian, but I, I think the Impossible Whopper mm-hmm. is the best fast food item. I love that; it's tasty. Um, it was was it Jolly Green Giant and who else? Mr. Peanut. Uh, I got to kiss uh, the Jolly Green Giant, and I got to get rid of uh, Mr. Peanut. Sorry, Mr. Peanut. He's the baby now. It doesn't, It's not even.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and amazing stalkers we're going into, because obviously we, these are all kind of themed around what we're, we're talking about here with Clown in the Cornfield. So amazing stalkers would have been cornfields. You would have had to choose between uh, Signs, Filled with Dreams, and Children of the Corn.
0: Ooh. Mary Science, because I am an enormous M Night Shyamalan fan. I love M Night Shyamalan, um, and that's a I'm live in PA, so this is like a he's the hometown boy. So we got to go with that one. Um, I'm going to surprise everyone and say, um, I guess we're if we're talking about movies, because the other two are movies. So we're talking about the the Linda Hamilton adaptation of
1: uh, mm-hmm.
0: Children of the Corn. If we were talking we about a short story, it would be different. But I'm going to go uh, Kiss uh, Field of Dreams, and I'm going to say get rid of. Uh, Children of the Corn, which will surprise people who've read Clown of the Cornfield, but I I don't think that's the most successful adaptation. Uh, I, there's things I like about that film, but um, yeah, as far as it uh, goes. So uh, sorry to make you play all three versions of the game. I was just you're, fine. You're,
2: fine. you're fine.
0: You're fine.
2: You're fine. Children of the Corn, to, to share some of myself here, Children of the Corn, Flash Gordon and Gremlins, are my young scares and it's all Uh, for the same reason because it involves somebody's hand going somewhere that it shouldn't belong and i i will not reach in hole because holes because of those three
0: movies oh that's like a very specific feel. There's like there's like a name for that i don't know what it is but there's like a name for like the idea of like putting your hand in a hole or getting in a (laughs) hole like um yeah what is it in i'm fairly familiar with flash gordon what part are you talking about
2: that stump where they're reaching in and doing the uh, the the forest people test? Oh, okay. Pierce- yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nope. Okay. Yeah, no. We, we will not be reaching into any garbage disposals, blenders, cages.
0: Oh, holes. yeah. I'm thinking of <laughs> 1988, The Blob. When, yep. Nope. Uh, yeah, where she puts her hand in that uh, the garbage disposal. <laughs> Ooh, Rough.
1: And speaking of rough, your friendo attacks are incredibly gruesome, and each one's a little different. So, how do you keep the bloody parts fresh? Ooh, that's a good question.
0: That is, that is the hardest, that's, that is the thing I think what's so funny when I talk about like, oh, I really want to have the plot be careful and I want to have like very sensitive and very true to life depictions of teens and, and teen concerns. But the thing that I spend the most amount of time on, the thing I think about most, because I really do, like if I, see, if I see a slasher movie or if I read a slasher book where I like everything else but the kills and the kills seem underwhelmed or undercooked or they didn't have the budget for them or whatever, I'm always just like, that's the meal like that's what you have to that's what I'm you know that's 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 what I'm paying for. um so I really like in my mind, I'm like that is the the bread and butter of the series. so I've really just try to it's all about staging and it's all about like it's all about like location uh weapon and 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 characters who are in the scene. so it's 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 all this it's just a lot of moving pieces and it's a lot of almost like building in your mind building like shoebox dioramas of things and i think that the the party sequence in the first book and then in the second book not to, uh, the second book blank and blank um <laughs> not, to, not to spoil it not to be too coy with people but i really want them to read it and and enjoy it and be surprised by it but um yeah there's there's stuff there's there's not only one like the party sequence in the first book is kind of the tentpole it's the thing that happens at exactly in the middle of the book and then you kind of you ascend to it and then you almost descend uh two is structured different there are, there, are, there are two kind of temples
2: the amount of fan art that you seem to get and it's not necessarily even drawing at this stage it, it is you know people that are, are out in all over the world with clown makeup and and coming in <laughs> out cornfields or, or or what have you kind of as we're going into the spooky season, you know, I, I can say that this year we're doing a cornfield and for, for our, 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 our front yard, and there will be a clown in it. Awesome. B- 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 Please because send me pictures. Of it. <laughs> Yes, sir. Um, so, so what kind of response, what kind of activity do you have with, with, with your fans in the sense of getting so many people that are just embracing
0: it? I'm glad you asked because I've never really solicited it. I've never been like, Oh, you got to do this. You guys got to go again. I wish I I, do a lot of stuff. I like tell. I like please buy the book. Like I do a lot of uh, in, in that way, asking people to do things. I've never. I'm just always surprised. I think it, it goes hand in hand with books to and the idea that you don't want to just talk about a book. You want to visually represent the time you had reading it. And I think there, it speaks to a lot of people. A lot of people live near cornfields, uh, and they're able to just walk out their back door and be like, "Oh, let me go take a picture of the cornfield." And then I'm like, "I love that you are opening yourself up to being that frightened." Yeah. I, 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 I don't ask for it and I'm asking for it now on this podcast and I will ask for it. I feel like in the coming days in, in leading up to clown two, and that I didn't, I didn't think I would get that kind of response. And I think that's, that's the reason we're even having this discussion, I think. And, 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 and I'm able to have this discussion is that I very much first book came out height of the pandemic bookstores weren't open libraries weren't open everyone. It was, it was complete mass mandates, complete lockdowns. Um, the book I was over the moon to be like, oh, we're, I'm going to have a finally like a book with Harper Collins. I'm going to going to be able to go do book tours. I'm going to be able to go see my book at, at, on store shelves. And I think they were just like, well, publishing was in such a tough place. Uh, Barnes and Noble, if they got copies, they got one copy. Half the time when you went into the store, it was in the back because they didn't even put it out. Like in uh, and, and and people who took pictures with the book, people who talked about the book. I I owe those people not only like do am I am I touched when I see like a a father and a daughter which books about fathers and daughters like in clown masks like it it, like taking pictures like they're killing each other like that's the best thing in the world like like so not only am I like touched on that level but uh, the idea that like people taking these pictures and making this art and talking about the book made demand uh, from a book that was the expectations were in the sub basement they were not even like at the floor like the expectation was this book was going to do Nothing. Um, even though we got a great cover, even though we got a blurb by Clive Barker, it was just the time that it came out. It was like, ah, no one's going to buy this. We don't know what to do with it. It's a slasher, you know. YA runs on fantasy and, and science fiction and 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 you and dystopias. And it's not. It's just not to market. And, and who knows? What, what were we thinking when we greenlit this? And then, like, to have that Groundswell support and to have them being like, we want to do *Clive* in the Cornfield too. Like, it's it it's incredible. And it's all. It's not. It's nothing to do with me. Uh, it's all to do with the people you're talking about, like uh, taking pictures with it. So I hope they continue to do it for clown 2 I, I get, please tag me in every single thing, every single piece of art you make. And every, I try to share as much of it as I can. I'm just honored by it. I comment on everything I can. Yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I never thought that would happen, but, and it, it, the book wasn't really designed for that to happen, but it's just, it's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Um, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful.
1: I really enjoyed both of them. It's They weren't what I was expecting. At first, I was like, clown in a cornfield. Stephen. what do you have me reading? But I really, <laughs> really enjoyed it. And then the book, too, just goes in a completely different direction. I was not expecting. And it's still such a very strong, is a strong book on that new premise. And I won't do any spoilers. Everyone has to read both of them. Thank you so much, it was Sarah. fantastic. I
0: really appreciate that. Yeah.
1: I'm going to ask a question since this is book two. It's a little spoiler, but not much, um, that there is an element of dark tourism because of book one. And so Kettle Springs, there's the Kettle Springs massacre, which leads into Kettle Springs being a travel location and a family has even purchased the home. Um, How do you, what do you feel about dark tourism and do you do dark tourism or is it something that you're like, eh?
0: 50 50 it's a i think the book kind of and, I, and I'm, I'm glad you bring this up because that's that's not so much of a spoiler to say I, I i like that part of of the book a lot it's kind of if i had to you know there's a lot of strands in this book there's a lot of kind of story a story B, story c like and and that's probably my favorite story it's probably the, the part i put most of myself into so i love that i love the idea of 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 haunted houses and they, they build a haunted house. The family that buys the, the, the field where all these kids were actually killed, like builds a haunted house. And it, like, to me, that's like, it's incredibly gauche and incredibly like disrespectful in the real world, but I love haunted houses. So it's this, it's this, it's walking this line. And it's that, it's that discussion of like, when is horror? Okay. And when is it okay to kind of indulge and commercialize this kind of stuff? Like it, it, to me, they're going over a line and it's clearly incredibly distasteful. But there it's that the appeal of like, of like, I still like the end product, like of like, of like, that's so I don't like it, like, I, you know, I've never been to the Lizzie Borden house. I've never done like, I've never done that kind of thing where you, where you, where you go to a place that a real horrific thing actually happened, but, but I'm completely compelled by true crime. Like I do like, you know, I've, I've, I've for my next book, not too much of a spoiler to say, but for my next book, which is a YA book, I I read voluminously about, the Manson murders. And I read like, I did, it's the most research quote unquote I've ever done for a book Um, to the point where like, I sounded like a real tinfoil hat, like conspiracy theorist, where I was like, well, MKUltra and the CIA and all this like, like, cause you, when you dig deep enough in that story, that's, these are the books you kind of stumble upon. So uh, it's that, it's that you want to slap someone's hand for being like, that's, that's morbid and grotesque for, for wanting to profit off of actual human misery, but it's, but in my book, it's pretend kids did really die so like it's it's that uh it's that having your cake and eating it of the duality of horror fandom and dark fandom and the idea that well when is it okay like i would i read a book about charlie manson i'd never buy like there's like there's like serial killer trading cards and stuff like that i would never want to like i would never be like wear a t-shirt with like albert fish's face on it it's like then but there are people that do and that's where i personally draw the line it's it's one of those things where it's like no i don't want to I don't want to celebrate these people, and I don't think these—I don't think these people should be uh, turned into kind of superheroes or action figures in any any sense of the word. But we're human, and it's compelling, and it's interesting, um, and it's, it's stuff in the real world is, is in so, some ways fascinating, and it really exists. So why shy away from it? So it's, yeah, it's I, I I have lines, and I don't sometimes don't cross them, but I also, in some ways, I'm sure, am a hypocrite, um, and that's that's what that part of the book to me is is dealing with in a fun way. Now, none of this stuff is luxury. Everyone can just enjoy it as, as, as fun slasher.
1: I think it's important for the setting to come back and, and then there's a new family in town and all of that works really well with the second book. And for me personally, dark tourism, is like, they have to be like way old. Like, is it, you know, like yeah, hundred yeah. years ago? It's like, <laughs> yeah. all right, we're good.
0: <laughs> the statute of limitations on that. Like, like, again, I'd be, I'd be way more I'd be way more interested in 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 uh in touring the Lizzie Borden house than I would Cielo Drive because it's like there is that there's that recency bias and that proximity to, to like to like evil and you know this yeah mm-hmm. so yeah.
2: that that may have been my honeymoon oh really
0: <laughs> Lizzie yes, Borden you weren't, yes. <laughs> you weren't kidding you weren't kidding that you this is a horror family geez Louise honeymoon nope.
2: wait we, wow. we were we were right there in the, uh, the, right the bedroom podcast. with yeah. with the
0: mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's incredible oh man wake um, up a little feeling a little something yeah. <laughs> so because I, I,
2: obviously we're book-based and you're talking about manson uh, did you uh did you end up picking up a what is it tom o'brien's book chaos
0: i did that's the most recent one i read yeah i really liked it yeah, i you thought think? that one was pretty fun yeah yeah. yeah. it
2: was it's it's one of those where you're like, okay, I don't know. And then you're like, well, maybe. And then, then your, you know, news stories come yeah. out and you're like, okay, I can see it more.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's what I liked about that book. I like how he kind of wrote himself in as a character. Cause I, I think if you were just to do that, it would be like any number of podcasts I'd listen to that mm-hmm. like are kind of just like, yeah, there is a connection there and maybe the, some of this stuff is. But like putting himself in as a character and having um what's his face? Um uh, who wrote Helter Kelter, the prosecutor. Um, uh, Bugliosi, yeah, having Bugliosi like threaten him so many times for legal action, and then like losing his book contract, and getting another book contract, and losing that. Like, I liked, I liked that part of it. So, if you, yeah, if mm-hmm. you're interested in the Manson case at all, I, I think Chaos is probably not the one you'd start with, but oh, it is. No. The, it's it's a it would be a it's a really fascinating like double feature with Helter Skelter to just basically be like see Helter Skelter in some ways refuted.
2: Jumping back to M Night Shyamalan here. Um, how's the training going?
0: Yeah, 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 I oh. see that you're, you're training
2: for a basketball
0: game here. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, this has been a bit I've had in my mind for the for for context for readers. I did a TikTok where I am completely kidding. It's, it, it should be it's, it's, a TikTok is not a medium that lends itself to gradations of seriousness. Uh, I am kidding, uh, but I've I, I I filmed a little stand-up interview where I was like, I know that I'm a huge fan of M Night Shyamalan, and I know he likes to play basketball uh this is day one of training to beat m night and then i just proceed to just throw a hundred bricks like i'm just terrible i'm a terrible basketball player and then my idea is that i'm gonna keep doing that i'm just gonna just do the bit again and again so we'll see every sunday i'm gonna try to do them so my training is going awful i mean you saw it i was sweating i looked like i was you know <laughs> you, you, you you're at least three times a basketball player i am well <laughs> i think i get one in in the video <laughs>
1: It would be epic if it actually happened where you guys could could play, even if you're bad and he's great.
0: Well, we'll see. We'll see if <laughs> we can set it up. Cool? I want to get Knight's uh, attention. We'll see. We live in the same area, so maybe it'll, maybe it'll okay. happen.
1: <laughs> Going back to writing for teen audiences, and you told a little bit about what you enjoyed about that process, but is there such a thing as like a teen beta reader or how does that work?
0: There should be. And I would, I, yeah, good question. Uh, I I feel like I I wish there were, Um, there are enough eyes on it at Harper where these, Mm -hmm. this is their, you know, this is their bread and butter um, at Harper team. This is the teen readership. And if there are, there might actually be, and I don't ever hear about them. uh, But I do get notes back that are, that are geared towards, you know, there are younger people in the office and and things like that to, to kind of keep the verisimilitude. Yeah. The, the, the audience are the teen uh, beta readers and, and, and what I find so funny, and not to not to really hyper engage with negative criticism, but the, the people that say this is unrealistic or teens would never say that, they're always people in their thirties and forties. <laughs> when a kid says it, like very rare. When a teen says it, I'm like, oh, damn, I like I I lost that one, and I didn't <laughs> I didn't do as good as I could have. But they're incredibly rare. It's always it's always older folks, and I'm like, what do you know? I'm like I've been around I've been around teens. I was a teacher for five years, like fairly recently stopped too. So it's like. You know, I, I I have teens in my life and teens around me that I try to. They don't know that they're under the microscope, but uh, I'm you know, put them in the book. So. <laughs>
2: that that kind of leads into what I was going to ask you is how you keep in touch with all those trends. So it, it's oh, just it's,
0: I mean, you've seen you've seen you saw me challenge M Night Shyamalan to a basketball game on TikTok. That's how I that's how I keep in touch with these trends. I'm just like I just I'm just I'm, I'm an old man who's on Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and and I that's how I stay in touch. Is that is that I, I I'm the I'm I'm the cringe guy in the corner watching uh, all these conversations take place. It's, that's how I that's how I do it.
1: Um, you also work on graphic novels, including several Dark Crystal titles, and you have a new one coming out this October twenty sixth through Dark Horse Comics, uh, Dead Mall. So can you introduce a little bit about Dead Mall, and if you could pair it with the movie, what would it be?
0: Ooh, this is a great this is a great interview. You guys did like. Yes, did all the uh, the pre research and promo for me. Uh, yeah, so I, I as I mentioned kind of earlier in the conversation, I, uh, I grew up a huge comic book reader and huge comic book fan, and um, i done a number of little little short stories, little backup stories with Boom Studios, Adventure Time, and Power Rangers, which were things you know I grew up on Power Rangers, and I, I'm a big fan of Adventure Time, so it was cool to do. And the the opportunity came up for Dark Crystal. It's a top top five or top five top three movie for me so um was great to be able to work with the henson company on that because i'm just an enormous fan of the property uh and then i've always wanted to do my own comics those are those are comics for kids those are comics for all audiences and dead mall is not for all audiences i will say uh it is it is coming out through dark horse comics it is going to be a four issue mini series as you said the first one comes out the week of halloween it's the wednesday it's the comics wednesday of halloween which is what a perfect time to be launching a horror comic. I think Um, like the title implies, it takes place at a shopping mall. It is, it's narrated by the mall. The mall is, is a character not in like the, the sense of like, you know, New York is really a character in Scorsese's films. Like not in that sense, like not in the metaphorical sense, like the mall is the, is the bad guy. The mall is the antagonist. Um, And these kids break into this abandoned shopping mall and go to leave and realize they can't leave. There's, there's some kind of uh, reality and time bending aspect to this mall where it is keeping them there and it needs to feed on its patrons now that the mall it's been doing this for decades since the 60s this mall opened up it's been taking people like taking people it doesn't think anyone will miss and kind of keeping it inside of itself in this alternate dimension of the mall um, and feeding off their energy and then these kids are just in that they kind of walk into the venus flytrap and they have to contend with not only the mall the twisting changing mall but the creatures that live inside the mall that used to be the patrons that are now these called mall walkers Actually i don't think a term actually in any of the four issues i don't think it's used but it's what the artist and myself david Stahl is the artist we've been calling the mall walkers and it's this monsters that used to be people that are were shoppers at the mall and if i could compare it to a movie it's 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 Chopping Mall meets Nightbreed is the, is the, yeah, I said I got a pop from Steve and I knew that would get him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I can see them. I, I'm, I'm we're, we're video. Um, so, but yeah, Chopping Mall meets Nightbreed. It's the Jim Wynarski of, I love mall movies. I love movies that take place in malls Dawn of the Dead is if I'm talking about favorite movies, it's my favorite movie it's Dawn of the Dead. Um, I, I live in Pennsylvania and it's a five hour trip to drive out to Pittsburgh to Monroeville Mall, where that uh, where that was shot. But I've made the pilgrimage, and I I, I love Mall horror. um And it's this tiny subgenre. It's not a, there's not a ton of it. um So it's like a it's like Nightbreed in that there are this there's this society of monsters. It's like chopping mall because it's teens being in a mall when they shouldn't be and getting killed. Uh, <laughs> and then it's uh and then it's a little bit of the ruins. Scott smells the ruins. I think in that in that sense of like a place that is. An antagonist which is rare
1: there's more and more abandoned malls now it's kind of
0: kind oh, yeah. of wild yeah. they're all turning into condos they're all becoming like they're all just becoming like these these most in, these most open and community places these like kind of new the new town square is now being replaced with little boxes that people live in and they there's no socialization at all it's like you don't know your neighbor at all so it's the book's a little bit about that, but it's, it's four issues. And, and I, I really hope people pick it up. If you're not a comic book buyer, you got to go into your local comic store. You'll love it. <laughs> You'll love the local comic store. There's plenty of stuff to separate you from your money and ask them behind the counter to order in dead mall, because I'm a first time comics creator. Uh, so they, it's not like I have a huge track record in comic book stores. They don't know to order in my book, uh, even though it's dark horse, it's a big publisher still, please ask, tell them, tell them to pre-order it so that it bumps those numbers up
2: you you mentioned that you're you dabble in some screenwriting obviously you're doing comics we've talked novels is there a difference in your approach to writing either of those three
0: i think there has to be i think there i think there's i think there's writers that 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 are successful with and less successful with i think the successful ones treat each format give each format its due they give each format its more apparent in the in the connection between cuz books are clearly not movies and you have to have a completely different uh, thought processes in how you are presenting those things. There's not jump scares in books. You can't just go boo and uh, have the music swell and expect to elicit a response from the reader. Um, but in comics, and I, I, I hope I'm not talking out of my butt here, or like, or I hope people don't hate Dead Mall and think like, what's that idiot talking about? Like, this wasn't even a good comic. Like, uh, I, I think, uh, I think the in comics, the the mini series I read, and like the 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 worst comics are the ones that were clearly. Uh, screenplays that are trying to like I did I couldn't sell this as a screenplay so why does I do it as a comic which is that's no disrespect to anyone but I think you have to have a respect for your readership and you have to have a respect for the medium you're working in which again dead mall works is endemically comic booky to me because I think the book the first lines of the book are the mall speaking if you had that film it, you could probably do it more in a in a novel but like it, it wouldn't work it wouldn't it wouldn't Work the way it does in a comic panel, Um, and I've I've just seen the finished art for the first issue. Like, and it does like it to me. It it's it's like I said, a healthy respect for each medium and approach them differently because I think they you have to know what each can do and what each can't do. Um, Even though the comic script looks close to a screenplay when you're done with it, 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 like it has slug lines and has character speaking dialogue in the middle of the page and can be similar. And 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 of course, I use tools from the tool belt in all three, and they kind of cross pollinate. But I think you have to be like, no, I'm in comic book mode when you're sitting down to write comics. and I think you have to be like, I'm in screenplay mode when I sit down and write screenplays. Um, which screenplays are are hard, hard, hard because it's a tough, it's a tough business. there's there's such a different uh, the difference between a screenplay and a finished film is incredibly different. I've been fortunate enough, I've been produced twice now, but I think the even neither of the films are announced because it's kind of recent. but like having that back-to-back uh, experience of like, this is the one, this is the way this one team approached adapting the screenplay and it, the way another team did it. Um, we're even within those two, even within the same year, uh, was completely different. So you just know that when you write a screenplay, it's not your screenplay is a, is a suggestion to a film. It is not a film. So I think when, when people start screenwriting, they should know that.
2: And obviously you've done a lot of hustling here today, trying to, to, to promote this stuff. Uh, and there's a, tr- <laughs> there's a trend now toward, I guess it's, I mean, cause we're seeing people like Brandon Sanderson, who's like, you know, not a small name in the, in the writing world, who's have, now trying to get books done through Kickstarter. Do you think that's something that authors are now having to kind of go
0: toward? Um, it's uh, just yesterday. Um, I'm in a, I'm in a, um, I'm in an anthology called Obsolescence. Um, it's a I don't I don't do a ton of short stories. I love writing short stories, but I kind of do short stories when I'm asked, like when I'm invited to anthologies. So I, I have a short story that's going to be in this book called Obsolescence, and it's they're using Kickstarter. It seems terrifying to me. I don't know that I would ever be able to do it. It seems like, like you know, I've got enough headaches and enough hustle, like you said, um, like trying to sell these books that other people are helping me put out. Um, to be the, the idea, I think it's cool, and I think. I think it's everyone's mileage is gonna vary. And I think these are all tools in a tool belt. It is harder and harder to, to make a buck and it's harder and harder to get your work out there every day. Um, so I think self-publishing, uh, small press, Kickstarter, all this kind of stuff, Patreon, I, I think it's uh, fascinating. And I think there are people that use it really well. And then there are people that use it somewhat unsuccessfully, but it's, it's in, a, in a way it's a, it's a medium unto itself. It's like something else you have to study. Like, so you were talking about like how I write in three different formats to be able to speak Kickstarter or to be able to like, to to be able to speak. I have a little bit more experience with self-publishing because a lot of the rights to my small press books have come back to me. So I've self-published them Uh, books like video night and summer job and exponential, which are books I love and I'm very, very proud of. So I I want people to check them out, but I I put them out myself with my friends, which again, there's, there's, there's self-publishing the easy way uh, which is doing everything yourself and trying to learn to do everything yourself, which people can have great success with and can, and can, and it can 100% do if they, if they do the research. Right. And then there's asking for help. There's like um, my friends, one of the best friends, Scott Cole is a a graphic designer. He helped lay out the books. Like these things I couldn't learn myself. I know that about myself. And I think it's just looking into what you're planning to do as a writer and as a self distributor and things like that. It's understanding the ins and outs of each route you could possibly take. Uh, I don't think, I don't think any of them are wrong. Uh, I think all of them are different for each person. And I think all of them are better fit for some people than others. Um, and I think at the end of the day, you got to do your research. Like this, what these, uh, editors are doing for obsolescence is like, geez, this looks like, I can't imagine how much money up front and how much time up front it was to plan all this, to have basically a finished product. Like you can see the book, but it's like, okay, now we need your money to make the book a reality. Like that's, that's hard to me. That's nerve wracking to me. So yeah, it's cool. And I, but I just, I don't know that I'll ever do it.
1: (laughs) And we are a library podcast. So how have libraries impacted your life?
0: I love libraries. Uh, I, I, we can go early or we can go late. I, I, I loved going to the library. I loved, I loved, you know, speaking of my parents and stuff like that, we very much a library family and then school libraries. I was always taking things out from the library because I'm always like, my eyes are always bigger than my stomach and I want to take books out and Oh, that one looks good. Oh, this has a different cover than the one Walton books. Let me get this one. So, uh, and there's that way that libraries raised me. And then more recently, uh, speaking of, um, fan art and people who've helped, uh, the first book, the people who've helped the first book other than, um, just your man on the street reader, man and woman on the street reader are, uh, libraries, Becky Spratford, um and and all these other and uh, conrad stump and these people who have um who do the uh summer scares summer reading program this this summer had clown of the court the first clown of the cornfield featured it there they did like a whole reading guide i'm just i'm just in awe of librarians and their constant ingenuity and constant energy like the the to be kind of unflailing advocates of the written word unflailing advocates of freedom of information and 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 i'm not because i know i'm talking to two librarians it's going to sound like i'm blowing smoke but i'm not even if you weren't even if you weren't two lovely people i would i would be saying this i think that yeah uh, i think libraries are incredibly important and i think selfish like for a society as a society as a, as a public good i think they're incredibly important and then selfishly for me just want to write more books librarians help me out so much I, you know <laughs>
2: So, one of the things I love asking because writers just, you know, you're always working on the next new thing. And you kind of touched on a little bit of what's coming in the future, but this was a question that was leading into it. And we might get a different answer. Strangest thing in the search history?
0: What? Uh, oh, the strangest thing in my search history? I was yes, like, sir. I was like, Stranger Things. I haven't even watched this season yet. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, um, strangest thing in my search history? It's all uh, so it's, it's, it's like all weird. Stuff. It's all, it's ever it, everyone yeah. loves everyone loves like the like the memification of like of like oh how to hide a body oh, yeah. don't don't check my search history. But it's it's always the it's always the most benign, weird, okay. like tiny piece of information. And I remember I remember this pretty vividly for um for the first clown in the cornfield because so I'd written a book um called Zero Lives Remaining, which uh is a it starts with a a guy getting basically eaten by a pizza oven. Like he, his, his cuff gets pulled, like it's a, it's a conveyor belt pizza oven, which do exist. Uh, so I remember, and I, I remember I like was self-searching myself one day. Don't ever do that if you're a writer. Um, but I found this whole Reddit thread where people were like tearing that opening apart. And they we're like, has Adam Caesar ever even seen a pizza oven? Does he know? It's like, yeah, guy, I've seen a pizza oven. I know how they work. Uh, this is, this is specifically a pizza oven at an arcade. It is, these things do exist. I looked it up. I know that they, they, you know, I've been to an arcade with one of these things. It's not a brick oven pizza oven. That's what you're thinking of. This is a conveyor belt pizza. It's very plausible. It's implausible, but it could happen. So I didn't want that to happen again with Clown of the Cornfield. So uh, in the first Clown of the Cornfield, there is a sequence where they are escaping a silo. And I'm like, I did not grow up on a farm. I am a city boy. Am, uh, I'm writing a city mass country mass story. Uh, let me figure out what the hell a silo is like. So I read, I lost a whole day and a half just being like looking at like different diagrams for silos, different kinds of like, how do you store your, how do you store your corn? How do you store your grain? Like uh, going through just like all this, like so the silo sequence in, uh, especially the way they crawl out from under it because you, you silos have a kind of subfloor and then you go up like uh, through a um, conveyor belt that you need access to the outside of the silo. Like no one can knock me that I don't know how silos work because I know how silos work. So that's my strangest It's never like the fun stuff. It's never like does bleach get out no, blood. No, no, that's- it's never like that kind of stuff. <laughs> like I no, see. The, yeah.
2: <laughs> this, this is what I'm looking for. So I'm just looking for people to justify my own rabbit holes that I fall down. So I don't feel as bad when I'm like, oh, you yeah. know, spending three hours, you know, looking at some random, you start in one direction. Next thing you know, you're reading about workers' strikes in 1846 oh, yeah. in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> you're like, how did
0: I get here? I don't even remember you're on the Molly Maguire's page from the, you know, uh, the, you were looking up the Poconos, you were looking up a Poconos vacation and then you worked your way around to yeah, no, I know. I know exactly how that, how that works. And that's, and I don't do it. I'm not, not that I'm like, I don't think fiction has to be realistic. I think fiction is fiction and real and real life is real life. But I think there is, I do certain things to get, to bridge that gap of, of, um, of suspension of disbelief versus reality. Like, so that's one of, those cases where I looked up a lot of silos
1: well my last question was just to see what are you currently reading or watching
0: currently reading I'm always watching stuff I watch um I'm always reading stuff too that's the thing um I'm, re- I'm reading uh, a couple things I'm reading for books I'm reading uh LaSalle Sanbury's Delicious Monsters uh, that that doesn't come out for a while she's an author I've not read before but this uh, seemed definitely up my alley um it's a kind of dual narrative haunted house story really uh really good but it, i think that's i don't i don't remember when it comes out i know when my uh praises do but i don't know when it's coming out. uh and then i'm reading um i just i had mentioned i was at a convention and i was mentioned my buddy scott cole but we we drove back and he's um we're both comic book guys but i've never read uh, one of the big 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 holes blind spots in my comics reading is i never read sandman all the way and i'm not necessarily doing it to watch the Netflix show. I I'm not a huge TV guy cuz it's a huge investment in time. I, and I'm sure it's great. I've heard nothing but good things about it. But I've in my in my comic reading life, I've read like the first Sandman volume like Preludes and Nocturnes. I think I've read it 3 times. I think I've like I think I've like in like middle school, high school, and college, I like read the same versions of Preludes and Nocturnes being like this is the time I finish Sandman. And I I now I'm I'm happy to report I'm like much further through then last time and it's uh yeah people call it a foundational text for reason because it's terrific so uh yeah that that's what I'm those are the two things I'm reading and and watching I'm just I was on it I just finished a deadline I just finished a deadline for a book and the way I got myself to finish the deadline was I stopped watching movies at night and it's it's amazing how <laughs> how, how 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 fast I'll work when you just threaten me like that so uh i'm just getting back into movies and i've got i've got a back catalog as you guys can see behind me those are all movies i'm a i am a movie fan i'm a movie collector i was i was on a uh steven i'll like this i was on a a a full moon kick for a little while because i got the uh the full moon streaming app so i watched some of their more uh recent stuff uh and then i've just been watching i saw prey i watched prey the other day the the predator prequel which was really good yeah so i'm voracious when it comes to that it's all over
2: if you were talking about the convention you were just going to, and I wanted to jump back to it because I, it's one of the ones I really love, and I want to get some promotion out there. Sorry, happened obviously, but it comes up every year. Scares that care is is one of those that you know horror and, and charity.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a charity that you can support, and they they do incredible work. And the actual, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but the 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 weekend they're actually discontinuing the weekend. They're not doing oh. the weekend anymore. This was the last one, but but. Uh, they're, they're, they've pivoted to a new convention at the same location, still at the Doubletree in Williamsburg, Virginia. Uh, it's a great time every year. My buddies and I, we road trip down, Matt Serafini, Pat Lacey, and, uh, Scott Cole. Um, we are all writers and we just, it's, it's our like little one vacation. We get to hang out we get to talk with readers and people come by the table and, uh, but this next year, and I think it's in March, I think it's the end of March. They're doing the second author con scares that care author con. So if you're listening to this podcast, it's probably even more up your alley. Cause it's all authors and vendors. There's none of the kind of movie and TV celebrities they open up the whole convention hall. Cause they don't divide it. Like they do vendor hall celebrity room. It's opened up. Yeah. It's, a, it's, a, it's, this'll be my first one. I, I heard the last one. That's all we heard about this year. They were like, are you going to AuthorCon?" Cause last year's was amazing. So, um, yeah. Scares that care, support the charity. Uh, if you're anywhere near Virginia, I'm not near Virginia. I drive five hours and six hours to go there. So what's your excuse? Come to come to AuthorCon, con uh, check when it is. I think it's in March. I could be completely wrong, but we'll see you there. It sounds fun. Um, it, it's really, really fun. There's karaoke. So I mean, depending <laughs> on your tolerance for karaoke, if you want to hear me sing born to run, come to scares that care AuthorCon too. <laughs>
2: I'm going to just do a, a, like one minute of rapid fire questions here. Um, Do you learn by watching or doing? Doing. Something you wish you had written. Something
0: I wish I had written. The dark tower. Uh, Do you correct people's grammar? Mm, Silently. Internally, I, I correct their grammar. Least favorite word. cheesy. I don't like it in relation to movies. I don't like cheesy. Uh, I like, I like what I like. I don't, I don't care how high, highbrow or lowbrow it is. Yeah. Um,
2: scariest thing you've ever done.
0: Become a dad. Uh, I made it serious there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> best worst movie. Oh, now this is a trick. This is one that takes forever to answer. Um, best worst movie. Uh, I just watched um, Shriek of the Mutilated, which is a um, uh, Michael Finlay with Roberta Finlay, his, uh, 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 his wife, late Michael Finlay, and she kept going and making films. Um, uh, it's about a Yeti, uh, it, uh, Yetis in, in upstate New York, and it's, um, I can't say it's the most well-made film in the world, but it's, I enjoyed it immensely. So that's my, that's my answer of the moment, but I watched it this week. So that's top of mind.
2: <laughs> is it sort of uh, about the same quality of Boggy Creek?
0: Oh, it's, it, it makes, it makes Boggy Creek look like uh, a Kubrick film. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's, 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 it's pretty, it's pretty rough, but there's, you, you should check it out.
2: Um, just to wrap this up then, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners?
0: support your local library uh ask them to ask them to order in clown in the cornfield too if they have not and if they have not while you're standing there, you should go order it um i have i have uh, links on my website of like um is this going to be coming out uh before the book
1: if all goes well it'll be up by next week so, it okay, will so be if you're kinda... listening to this next week
0: please pre-order uh please uh, you can go to children's book world here in pa and have it for pa They're they're willing to ship signed copies so i'm going to do those all in one night i'm going to sign all the copies and then the next morning they're going to Ship them out. So uh, do that, and if not, um, if you're if you're listening to this after August twenty third, please the book's out now. Please go get it.
1: <laughs> They're both great. So I, I yeah. Thank you, thank you. It's a lot of fun, and it's perfect for spooky season.
0: Oh yeah, second one especially. Second one's I've 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 written. I'm a complete Halloween devotee. Um, I decorate and everything, and uh, I don't know how it's taken me eleven or twelve books to write one set on Halloween, but finally. This is the Halloween one. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so much. much for agreeing to Dang. join us. Oh, yeah. This has been so wonderful. You two are terrific. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much, Adam, for joining us on Unstacked. Clown in a Cornfield 2, Frendo Lives, will be available in the library collection for checkout.
2: It can also be purchased through your favorite bookstore and online vendors. Check out his website, AdamCaesar.WordPress.com. That is A-D-A-M-C-E-S-A-R-E.wordpress.com.
1: Stay safe and read, my friend. It's good for you. Bye.
2: Bye.